This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Today we're going to start a series on filters, and if you are new to faith, or even if you're not a person of faith yet, or if you're a person of faith but you're not sure about Jesus, or you're skeptical about the whole spiritual thing, you know, you could have been drugged here by someone who says, you got to go with me one time. It really doesn't make any difference. I just want you to know, this is a safe place. I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into a topic that, that's going to cause all of us to think. But I'm going to talk about it in such a way that you don't have to have any previous church experience or knowledge of the Bible or anything in order to take the journey with all of the rest of us. So uh, I hope that I say something in, in the next 20 to 25 minutes that causes you to at least think, I wonder if I should give consideration to following Jesus because that makes sense. And so I hope that it causes you to think along those lines. Um, so, filters. Did you know that we all have them? And we all look at the world, we all look at God through a filter, we all look at the world through, the fil- through a filter, we all look at each other through filters, uh, and eventually we all look at ourselves through filters. My wife was a kindergarten school teacher for many years, and one of the things she loved, she loved to do with her kindergartners was fairly early on in the school year, she would ask them, they would sit in a circle, and she would ask them a simple question. What do your parents do for work. What's their job? And one year, one of the little girls sitting in the circle, her mother was the receptionist in the church office. It was a Christian school, and her mother was the receptionist in the church office, and her dad was on staff. And she raised her hand, and she said, my mommy works at the church, but my dad is a pastor. He doesn't work. She had her filters on. That's exactly how the world looked to her. I was having a conversation just the other day with, with a person that I didn't know very well, and they didn't know me very well. And in the process of the conversation, marriage got brought up, and somehow uh, it, it seemed appropriate. So I mentioned to this particular person that my wife and I were, were going to be celebrating our 48th wedding anniversary this year. She's the one who deserves the medal. And, and this person looked at me and they said, wow, you look pretty good for someone who's been married 48 years. <laughs> now, I didn't know if that was her age filter talking or her marriage filter talking. I wasn't sure which it was. But you know something? We have these filters that we put on and they change how the world looks to us. So, for instance, if I put these on, you all look like you've been in the sun, even though it was raining all week. So I wonder how that works. Or if I put these on, you all look a little blue today. Yeah. So we have these filters that we continually view the world through, and they affect what we see. And they affect the judgments that we draw. In fact, 
Here's a number of things that they do. Um, the power that they have is amazing. I want you to read this out loud with me. Are you ready? And no, I didn't lose my mind. Here we go. Ready? It doesn't matter in what order the letters in a word are. The important thing is that the first and last letters are in the right place. The rest can be a total mess and we can still read it easily. How does that work? How does that work? Your mind is amazing. Your mind has the ability to look at something like that and to go, that's not right. So I'm going to filter out all the stuff that's wrong and I'm going to put in its place all the stuff that's right and you and I could read that without even pausing. That's how powerful the filters in our minds are. Because whatever filter we have on, it determines what we see when we look. And what we see when we look, that filter determines what we think when we look. And even more, our filter determines how we feel when we look at something. And this is where it gets really life-changing. The filter we have on determines what we do when we look. So today, we're going to talk about the performance filter. The filter that we wear that tends to look at people on the basis of what they do, how well they perform. Uh, to help us with that, I'm going to take us to a picture. There it is. That's a road in India. You like that road? <laughs> if you've ever been to India, honest, this is a true confession. When I first brought up that picture, I wanted to go there. I've been there many times. I know what that smells like. I know what that feels like. That feels, that chaos feels really good. Listen, every single person for a while, okay? Every single person in that picture, no one is disobeying a traffic law. Now look at, look, see that little white car right there jumping over the cement curb right there? That's not illegal. That's not bad. Going the wrong way across traffic, headed right toward pedestrians that are very, very shortly in the way. That is, that's how Indian roads work. That's normal, everyday stuff. And there are rules that they live by. And you can live there and you can thrive. Now compare that with this. You know where that is, right? That's where we live. Yes. Do we have rules for how to drive in that? Yes. What happens if you take these rules and drive there? You will not live long. What happens if you take those rules and you drive there? You will not live long. Yeah. You see, the interesting thing is this. If we want to thrive, we have to know what kingdom we're in. If you want to drive, you have to know what country you're in. If you want to thrive, you have to know what kingdom you're in. And here's the big idea for the day. Did you know that you and I were designed for dual citizenship in two kingdoms? The kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven. And that's what I want to press into for the next few minutes because I have a confession to make on behalf of the Big C Church. I feel like the Big C Church 
is continually telling people, get out of the kingdom of earth and get into the kingdom of heaven. But did you know that's not at all what Jesus said? That's not at all what he taught. So we're going to talk about that over the next few minutes. And so to help us understand this, we're going to talk about the kingdom of earth. And so I'm going to put on my kingdom of earth filters, all right? Well, we talk about this, so you just remember this. It'll come up later. You and I got into the kingdom of earth by birth. And you're like me. No one consulted you before you were born and said, you want to be a member of the kingdom of earth, right? No, at one point you woke up and came into consciousness as a small child and figured out, by golly, I live on earth. I'm a citizen of earth. And there's some interesting things that you need to know about the kingdom of earth. First of all, its economy runs on justice and fairness. And you live in that world every single day. And the kingdom of earth could not actually function without this economy. And so this is, you get what you deserve. What you put in, you tend to get out. And oh, by the way, when it doesn't work that way, when you put in all that effort in school and you did not get an A, what did you think? This is not fair. Right? When you put in all that effort at work and somebody beside you who put in half the effort gets promoted, what do you think? This is not fair. This is not fair. Because the whole economy of earth runs on this system of justice and fairness. And oh, by the way, when we try not to run it that way, what would your workplace be like if everyone got a participation trophy? And that was it. No matter what you did or didn't do, you got a participation trophy. Because by golly, we love everybody here. No, your workplace would be chaos and nothing would get done. Because the currency that we all want is compensation. We want to be compensated for the effort that we put in. So when we go to work and we work hard, we want to get paid well. And if we work really hard, we want to get promoted. That's compensation. And it, and it has to work on a system of justice and fairness. That's why it's a performance thing because you can see our compensation is earned by performing or competing. What happens to the NBA if, the, if everyone gets a participation trophy? You want to watch the finals? No, you don't care. Because our world, the kingdom of earth, thrives on the concept of performance and competing. And while that's all well and good, it's interesting that the key word that it leaves us with is this desire for more. Because no matter what we earn, no matter how well we get promoted, no matter what takes place in our life, how, how fortunate we, we are, there's always that concept of more. So the Golden State Warriors, and one of my favorite players on their team is, is Kevin Durant. And by and large, he's a great guy. He's started some wonderful things that are helping kids get education and thrive in a place where they seldom do. So he's not a selfish jerk, but he does make $31 million a year. Just to help you and me understand that, could you live with a paycheck of $600,000 a week? Could you make it on that? Yeah. 
But Kevin Durant is holding out for a better contract, by golly, because $31 million a year is just not enough. Now, why is it not enough? Because others are making more. You see, that's the way the kingdom of earth goes. It's, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and there is a whole system of justice and fairness, and, and, and it's very actually good for us. But here's what the Bible says, whoever loves money never has enough, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income, and apparently $31 million is not quite enough. Yeah. Hmm. There's another commodity that's in high demand in the kingdom of this world, and that's this. The rulers of, in this world lord it over their people. It's the commodity of power. And Jesus said, and officials flaunt their authority or their power over those under them. And so we think Jesus comes along and he's going to take us out of this mess and put us into a place that's a lot better. Whoa, whoa, whoa. As Lee Corso would say on SportsCenter, not so quick, my friend. Here's what Jesus said. I'm departing from the world. They are staying in it. You know who the they is? That's us. He goes on to say, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. And then he goes on to say, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them where? Into the world. Into this place where the, where the economy runs on justice. And it's all about performance. And Jesus says, I'm sending you into that world. By the way, did Jesus live by the rules of the kingdom of earth when he was here? I'm pretty sure he did. You know, he worked in a carpenter shop. I'm pretty sure he didn't sit in the back of the carp carpenter shop and go, sofa. <laughs> and there it was. I don't think he did that. I think he had to build. I'm not even sure he was a good carpenter. The Bible doesn't say whether he was. His dad didn't keep him employed. I know that. He left. <laughs> he lived by the rules of this earth. Yeah. But you know what? Everywhere Jesus traveled, he said, I'm going to announce the good news of another kingdom. And Jesus continually talked about this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven that was going to happen right here on earth, and it was going to coexist with the kingdom of earth. But it had a different territory and different goals and a different economy and a different currency. And this is how Jesus described it. He said, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom, my kingdom is actually not of this world. And later on, one of his closest followers wrote this to people who were Jesus' followers. And he said, you know, the great thing about God is he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave us our sins. We have citizenship in this other kingdom. So what is the kingdom of heaven and how do you get into it? Well, these are my kingdom of heaven filters. So here we go. 
In the kingdom of heaven, we get into it by new birth. And oh, by the way, that's a choice that you make. No one can make that choice for you. You make that choice. Secondly, the economy is not justice and fairness. The economy is love and grace. It's always been the economy of the kingdom of heaven. And the currency is acceptance and forgiveness. By the way, those correlate to love and grace. Where there is love, there is acceptance. Where there's grace, there's forgiveness. Okay? And these are not earned through performance in competition. They are given through faith. And the interesting thing about participation in the kingdom of heaven, instead of leaving us desiring more, it gives us the sense of being enough. That we are enough, that God is enough, that even other people are enough and worthy of our love just as they are. They don't have to do anything to earn it. It's enough. And so that same follower of Jesus wrote this, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And we think, oh yeah, that's right. God does the grace and I supply the faith. Nope, that's not what it says. Take a look. It is by grace you have been saved through faith And this is not from yourselves, it's what? The gift. Both the grace and the faith are gifts from God. Let me put that in language that you and I can apply. It means that right now, where you sit and where I sit, no matter what our past looks like, no matter what our present looks like, no matter how bad our past, no matter how evil our past... God stands and holds out the gift of grace to forgive us of all of it. And he says, I know it's going to take some faith to believe that. So I will give you the faith to actually believe it and to accept it. They are both gifts from me to you. All you have to do is receive. That's a little different than the kingdom of earth, right? Yeah, way different. That's why that same follower of Jesus could write this. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. Remember the tattoos in the video? You know what the author is saying? There's no reason for anyone to have to wear any of those tattoos if they will accept membership into the kingdom of heaven. Because there's no condemnation. There's nothing you need to hide. There's no sense that you're not enough. There's no sense that you are guilty and condemned. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And therefore, we have the ability to do this wonderful thing in the kingdom of heaven. And here it is, to accept each other as Christ has accepted us. That means the moment that you walk into anyone's world who's a follower of Jesus, it should not make any difference what you look like. It should not make any difference where you have been. It should not make any difference what you have done. 
the moment you brush up next to someone who's in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus, you should feel complete acceptance and love right then. Everybody on board with that? That's truly phenomenal, isn't it? So I want to point us to a verse as we bring this to a close that sort of ties all of this together and then I want to give us a practical application. And here's the passage. Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live how? For themselves. That means they don't stay all of the time in the kingdom of earth where it's a dog-eat-dog world, and if you don't watch out for yourself, no one does, and you compete with everyone else, you realize in the kingdom of earth, when you're in the dating game, you're competing for all the other girls or all the other guys. You realize that? Yeah, that's the reality of the kingdom of earth. But when we can get a reprieve, that's what I want you to think of. It's a reprieve from that world. You can step for whole portions of your life into this wonderful place where you don't have to live for yourself. He goes on to explain, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Isn't that interesting? We've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Now, this was written by a guy who hated Jesus and hated all Jesus' followers and tried to kill them all. He had his kingdom of earth glasses on. And when he looked at Jesus through the kingdom of earth glasses, he went, that dude is a loser. What kind of a rabbi is he? He doesn't even have a synagogue. He's never written a book. He owns one outfit. You know, I asked him the other day where I could send him a note. I asked for his address. He said he didn't have one. He's homeless. Huh. When you look at Jesus through the filters of the kingdom of earth, he is a massive loser because on all the points that we usually compete, he lost. And yet, he changed the world. So Paul said, once I became a Jesus follower, I learned to look at people, not their job, not sports, not all that stuff. I learned to look at people differently. So we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now, this means that anyone who belongs to Jesus, anyone who accepts entrance into the kingdom of heaven and gets these sorts of glasses and knows how to look at people through the right filters has become a new person. Remember we talked about new birth? That's what he's talking about. A new person. The old life is gone and a new life is begun. That, by the way, is where our church got its name right there. A new life has begun. So as we close, I want to give us three takeaways. And the first is this. Takeaway number one is that for all matters, physical and temporal, you got to wear these glasses. Okay. When you go to work, 
you got to wear these glasses. For all matters temporal and physical, we can only thrive by living in the kingdom of earth and playing by its rules. So you got to know when to put these on, right? Takeaway number two is this. For all matters of the heart and eternity, you have to put these glasses on. We can only thrive by living in the kingdom of heaven. So I want to talk about that for a minute. I have two of the vehicles in our household have automatic transmissions, and one has a standard transmission. Can I tell you that when you drive the automatic as if it's a standard shift car, you will hit your beak on the steering wheel more often than you would like every time you go to punch the clutch and you hit the brake? Yes. That's not fun. (laughs) Right? Because you know what? You have to know which one you're driving. And for those of you that have both stick and automatic, it, it just becomes, are you ready for a nice pun? It becomes automatic to make the shift. <laughs> Isn't that good? <laughs> it becomes automatic to make the shift, and you just, you just shift gears. That's just how it goes. You get in the car, you never think about it, and now you're shifting gears because you're in the standard shift, and then you jump out of that, that vehicle, and you jump in one. It's got an automatic. You pull it down into gear, and you just go off. Can I tell you that God has given you the ability to shift between these two filters in a millisecond? And if you want to thrive in this life, you got to know when to wear these, and you have to know when to wear these. Does that make sense to everybody? Let me give you an example. Let's say you're a boss at work, and you have an employee that's loafing on the job and not getting the job done, and you realize you have to fire them. You put these on. You judge their performance. You understand they are not earning their compensation, and you say to them, I'm sorry, this is the end of the road. In that moment, you take those off, and you put these on, and you realize... There's not just a worker over there. There's a human being. And now that human being needs love. And acceptance. And if you want to thrive, you have to be able to make that shift in a millisecond. Does that make sense to everyone? That takes some practice, by the way. That takes some real practice. So as we pull it down to the end, I have, some, I have some good news and then I have an assignment. Are you ready for that? Here's the good news, okay? The good news is the kingdom of heaven wins in the end. That's the good news. It does. You know how I know that? Have you ever heard Handel's Messiah? Yeah, some of you have heard that. It's played around Christmas. Listen, he lifts One of those lines straight from the book of Revelation, and here's what it says. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of whom? Our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Who wins? The kingdom of heaven. And we long for that day. We long for that day. So here's what we can do this week. We can practice living well in both kingdoms.
So I want to encourage you, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, I want to encourage you, oh, by the way, one of the things that should cause you to consider becoming a Jesus follower is becoming a Jesus follower gives you the reprieve of membership into the kingdom of heaven where the currency is all different. Okay? So we can all practice that this week. I want to pray, and then uh, I have a couple things to do, and we'll get us out of here. God, would you help us this week? No matter where we are in our spiritual journey, would you help us to be able to practice living in the kingdom of earth and then immediately living in the kingdom of heaven and help us to know when to be in which. When to sort of drive by the rules of India and when to drive by the rules of the U.S. Sort of that same thing. And would you enhance and develop our skill in doing that so that we could thrive in this life, both in the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven? That's our prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.